Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. The devil has always, historically, and even to this very day, he tries to undermine the truth of the Scripture. He tries to undermine the authority of the Scripture. He tries to prevent the proclamation of the gospel. Why? Because he knows this is the thing that the Spirit has provided to individual Christians and to the church to destroy his efforts. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Ephesians. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Ephesians, chapter 6, verse 17, in a message titled, The Sword of the Spirit. Now, here's Pastor Brian. So, as many of you would know, we're just getting close to the end of our series here in Ephesians, and we're doing a series within a series, Spiritual Warfare. We began to look at the armor of God, and, and what we looked at were the, the, the different aspects of the armor that are primarily, as we noted, uh, defensive in nature. We talked about the, our, our waist girded with the truth, and the breastplate of righteousness, and the shield of faith, and the helmet of salvation, and, and all of those were primarily things that God has given us through his word in order to enable us to stand our ground. And and so now we come back to this, but we're going to look today at the one offensive weapon in the list here, and this is the sword of the Spirit. And and so with the sword of the Spirit, we're not only uh, enabled to merely stand our ground, but we're enabled to advance. We're enabled to take new ground, and that's what we want to consider. And so as we look at this piece of the armor uh, that God has given us to defeat the devil's attempts to hinder or overthrow God's work in our lives, both individually and collectively, we see the sword of the Spirit is the means with which we are going to be able to do that. So let's just think about the, the sword of the Spirit for a moment. Put the I'm going to put the emphasis initially on sword. So the sword was, as I said, an offensive weapon uh, that enabled the soldier not only to hold ground, but to take ground. Uh, in the ancient world, the sword was the weapon of choice primarily. And it was the weapon through which nations conquered other nations. It was the weapon through which, in many ways, the Romans uh, subdued the world. And so when you talk about the sword, you're talking about a a powerful weapon. Uh, The sword destroyed the enemy. As you're reading through the Old Testament, you come across this phrase quite frequently. It's describing the utter destruction of of an enemy. And it says... uh, that they they smote them with the edge of the sword or they struck them uh, with the edge of the sword. And, and so that the idea there is of conquering, overcoming, defeating the enemy. And so it is the sword of the spirit. But let's look at that same phrase and put the emphasis now on spirit. It is a sword of the spirit. And so... We, we understand that we're talking about something here that is spiritual. The weapons of our warfare are not 
carnal, they're not material, they're not merely human weapons, but as Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 10, they are not carnal, but they're mighty in God. And so uh, the sword of the spirit is a spiritual weapon, and it's the weapon that the spirit has given to us so we can defeat the enemy. So this, this is what the, the Lord has given us. He's given us the sword of the spirit. The sword of the spirit, of course, is God's word. And um, the Bible tells us that God's word did not come by, by men. It, it wasn't something that was devised in the minds of men, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved upon by the Holy Spirit. So when we talk about the sword of the spirit, we need to recognize this is, the, this is the instrument that the spirit has given to us in order for us to have victory ourselves and help others have victory, see the church advance, the sword of the spirit, the, the word of God. Now, knowing that this is the primary offensive weapon, Satan works overtime to try to you know, keep us from utilizing this weapon. The, the devil has always, historically, and even to this very day, he tries to undermine the, the truth of the scripture. He tries to undermine the authority of the scripture. He tries to prevent the proclamation of the gospel. He, he tries to hinder the word of God from going out. Why? Because he knows this is the, this is the instrument. This is the, the thing that the spirit has provided to individual Christians and to the church to destroy his efforts, to destroy his, his work, to beat back his advances and to take ground from him. And so he's, he's working overtime. So we have got to realize that this is the weapon that God's given to us. And we've got to do everything to make sure we understand the effectiveness of the weapon. We, we need to do everything we can to understand how to effectively utilize this weapon. And so the sword of the spirit is, as Paul tells us here plainly, it is the word of God. It is the word of God. Now, the word here for word is not uh, the, the normal Greek word that we hear so often about. We, we quite often hear uh, about the Greek word logos. And of course, that's the, the word that's used in reference to Jesus, who uh, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. Logos is the Greek word that's translated word there. And now this is a different word. This is the Greek word rhema. And the difference I, I think is uh, somewhat important in that the rhema is a, it could refer to a, a saying or uh, a specific word. It could refer to a, a verse, a singular verse, or it could refer to a, a number of verses in scripture. But, but the idea here is that it is a very uh, specific word. As we, as we considered the, the defensive aspect of the armor, we talked about how the, the whole picture of the armor of God is really, it boils down to this. It boils down to, it's an understanding of God's word and an application of God's word. That's what it is. To put on the whole armor of God is to understand and to apply God's word properly. 
And when we come to the sword of the spirit, this is where things get very, very specific. And as we pointed out in a previous teaching, we saw Jesus use the sword of the spirit there in the wilderness against Satan. And and that's really a great illustration because Jesus applies a very specific word to the opposition that the devil brings. So the devil comes and he says, if you're the son of God, turn these stones uh, into bread. And how does Jesus respond? Man shall not live by bread only, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. If you're the son of God, cast yourself off the, this pinnacle of this temple here. And Jesus says, you, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Then Satan comes, you remember, finally, and he, he shows him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. Bow down and worship me. Jesus responds very specifically, it is written, you shall worship the Lord and him only shall you serve. So as we see Jesus utilizing uh, the, the word there against the devil, that is really the perfect picture of what we're talking about here when Paul says to take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. But there are a few other examples where Jesus uses the word to combat the enemy. And I want to draw your attention to a few of these others where he's not dealing directly with Satan, but he's dealing with Satan's agents uh, who happened to be at the time, uh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And so, uh, but again, in each one of these, we're gonna see how Jesus took and he answered their opposition with very specific uh, statements and he answered with scripture. So the the first incident that I want to remind you of uh, occurred in the context of Palm Sunday. Maybe you remember the situation where as Jesus is coming into Jerusalem, he's coming down the Mount of Olives and the people are hailing him as the Messiah. And they're laying out the, the palm branches and some of their garments and so forth. And Jesus is coming down the hill on that little donkey. And the children are crying out, Hosanna to the son of David, save now. And basically the children are proclaiming Jesus to be the Messiah. And this angered the religious leaders at the time. And they came to Jesus and uh, they told him, stop them. Don't allow them to do this. And Jesus Notice how he responded. He says, have you never read? So what does he do? He immediately goes back to the scriptures. Have you never read out of the mouth of babes and nursing children, you have perfected praise? So you see, again, Jesus takes and he applies a specific word from the scripture to the opposition that the enemy is bringing. So we see him now doing essentially the same thing that we saw take place in the wilderness, except it's just a slightly different context. So that's one example. But then you go on and you find once again in that same week, Jesus has a confrontation with the Sadducees. And the Sadducees were the liberals of the day theologically. They, they were the ones who resisted the, the miraculous, the supernatural. They were the ones who said uh, there was uh, no spirit, uh, there was no resurrection. And 
They came to Jesus with a hypothetical situation that they thought was an airtight argument against the resurrection. You remember the story where they come and they say, there, there was a, a woman, she was married to a man, uh, he died, uh, his brother took her as wife, he died, on and on and on. Seven brothers had the same woman as their wife, they all died, she finally died. When, when they got to heaven, whose wife is she going to be? Because all seven of these brothers had been her husband. So in their minds, this was the airtight argument against the resurrection. And again, Jesus responded, and this is what he said. He said, you are greatly mistaken, not knowing the scriptures or the power of God. And then he said this, have you not read what was spoken to you by God? So you see, once again, Jesus is gonna go back to the scriptures. He's gonna go back to the Bible, if you will, and he is going to defeat their argument by using the scriptures. So he goes on and he says, have you not read what was spoken to you by God? I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. For all live to him. So Jesus just refuted their whole thing by essentially telling them that their case was invalidated. And there is indeed a resurrection. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are still alive. They're, they're living today, even though they had physically died many centuries earlier. But my point is he takes them back to the scripture. One other example uh, is found in the Lord's response to the assertion, again, that very same week. This is in the last week Jesus enters uh, Jerusalem on what we call Palm Sunday today, and then a week later he will be crucified. So all of these things transpire in that particular week. But there's um, the case where the Pharisees were teaching that the Messiah was the son of David in the sense that they were teaching that the Messiah was just simply a, another human being. So Jesus says this to them. He says, how can they say that the Christ is the son of David now, David himself said, notice in the book of Psalms, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, David calls him Lord. How is he then his son? So they said the Messiah is just merely a man. Jesus says, well, the scriptures say that uh, the Messiah is the Lord. So again, my, my primary point is just to show you that Jesus demonstrated for us. He exemplified for us what it is to take the sword of the spirit in that every time he faced opposition from the devil, either directly or indirectly, he answered back with God's word. And that's what it means to take the sword of the spirit. We are to take God's word and this is how we are to respond to the attack of the enemy, whether it be those more personal kinds of attacks that we talked about before that maybe are um, taking place in our minds or uh, whether it be the kind of attack that comes in, in the broader sense against God's people collectively, the church, as you have those who are coming against the truth of the scripture or the authority of the scripture, they're denying uh, that the Bible is uh, really God's word. And there's plenty of that going on in the culture today, as you probably know. And, and what you're gonna find is they're going to, they're going to be denying the, 
deity of Christ. They're going to be denying that he actually bodily rose from the dead or suggesting that, well, you know, this is what the Christians believe, but there probably isn't any real historical evidence for it. So this is where you take out the sword of the spirit. This is where we need to be able to go back to the word of God and respond to them. Early this morning when I was picking up um, a coffee at my favorite coffee place, one of the young guys that works in there, he's a Christian, his dad's a pastor, and we have conversations occasionally when I go in. And uh, he was asking me this morning about a a book that he's reading on the Old Testament uh, where the author is pretty much denying the historicity of the Old Testament. He's denying the historicity of Adam and Eve. They didn't really exist. And uh, saying things like, well, the... The Israelites conquered the Canaanites, not because God told them to and the Canaanites were wicked, but because they just wanted the land and uh, they were stronger, so they kicked them out of the land. And, you know, naturalizing it and reading into the text all kinds of current popular theories and things like that. So, so anyway, he's asking me about the book and he's telling me a little bit about what the guy said. And, you know, just as quick as he's telling me this, in my mind, I'm thinking of like 10 different scriptures that refute the theories of this particular author. And so I mentioned a few things to him and he said, oh yeah, I forgot about it. He's, he's a believer. It's not like he's saying, no, I, I, I agree with this guy, but he was just asking me some questions about it. But you know, just the ability to go back to the word and point out how, okay, well, this guy's a theologian, but yet he denies the, the historicity of the Bible. He denies the authority of the Bible, but he's, he's doing so based upon just his own opinion. And he's leaving out a lot of biblical statements that clearly are in conflict with his theory. So I just brought up two or three different things that uh, he had maybe not taken into consideration. And the young guy was like, yeah, you're right. Oh, I forgot about that. That's good, yeah. And then I recommended uh, a couple of other books that he could read. But all of that to say, (laughs) all of that to say, this is, this is the reality that we live in. We live in an environment where there's a ton of hostility coming from certain segments of the culture toward the Christian faith. And this is where we have got to be. We're the, we're the people that uh, are at the front lines in this battle. We're, we're believers. And we are not in this battle to merely protect ourselves and to try not to lose ground We're in this battle to take ground. We want to see the church advance. We want to see more people come to the faith. And in order to do that, we've got to get the message out. And if we're going to get the message out, first of all, we've got to make sure it's in. It's got to be in us. And we see that with Jesus. Jesus knew the scriptures. Obviously, he knew them. He was saturated in them. Of course, he was the living word. But Jesus, was in his humanity, Jesus, no doubt, beyond the shadow of a doubt, as a, as a, as a man and as a young man, he studied the scriptures diligently. You remember the story in Luke's gospel when he was 13 years old and he's in the temple and he's reasoning with the doctors and they're marveling at his understanding. Uh, that wasn't that wasn't necessarily it, actually it wasn't at all connected to his deity at that point because he was functioning as a human being. So he sets an example for us 
that we need to know the scriptures, but we see it also with the apostles. The apostles, as they went out into the world, they were equipped with God's word. And as they would confront various situations, God's word was so in them that they were able in an instant to draw upon it to respond to you know, the various things that they faced. And that's what we want to be able to do as well. You know, in those days when, when something came up, they wouldn't, you know, in a, in a confrontation or, or whatever it might have been, um, and I'm not saying you can't do this, but sometimes it's, it's rather inconvenient, but you, you don't see them, you know, back in those days, they didn't have Bibles like we do in a codex kind of a form in a book. They had a scroll. Could you imagine if they're in some sort of a confrontation? Hey, wait, wait. Let, let me get my scroll out and, you know, rolling out this long scroll and trying to find someplace. They, they might have done that. They could have done that. And, and we certainly at times want to open our Bibles and point people to them. And, you know, if we, if we don't have those things memorized. But the idea ultimately is that we would get God's word so into us that it can easily flow from us. And that is practically what it would look like to take the sword of the spirit. So I'm going to give you four things that are going to help you to be able to do that. Four basic things, simple things, things that all of us can do, all of us need to be doing. And it starts with simply reading our Bibles, reading our Bibles. Now you would think, of course, Brian, why are you telling us reading our Bible? We know that. Well, yes, we do know that. You know what they say about the Bible? It is the best loved, least read book in the world. We all love our Bibles. We have our Bibles, but so many people don't read their Bibles. You know, some people buy books for decoration purposes. They, they look good on a bookshelf. And some people do that with a Bible as well. Uh, when I grew up as a kid, we had a massive Bible on the coffee table in our house. No one ever thought to open it for anything. It just, you know, it was a piece of the decoration. And so that can happen, right? We don't want to be in that category where we're, we're lovers of, Bi of the Bible, but we're not readers of the Bible. So... Our first and simplest approach to the scriptures is to read them, to read them. Now, I recognize not everybody is able to read. Now, that's not so much a problem in our cultural situation, but uh, I was just in Central America, as some of you know, and uh, many people in the culture there are not able to read. And so in those rare cases, you know, there are other options and things, thank God, that we can Point people to, but in, in our case, just assuming that we can all read, let's um, talk about this for a moment. Reading through the Bible. And I recommend uh, for younger Christians, newer Christians, that reading through the Bible starts in the New Testament. Start in the book of Matthew and make your way through, all the way through the New Testament, make your way through the book of Revelation. You know, go at a pace of you can you can start it as a chapter a day. Um, maybe you would like to take on a little bit more, maybe a couple chapters. But but make your way through the Bible, just reading through it.
January, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled Out of the Black Shadows by Stephen Lungu with Ann Coombs. Abandonment and abuse are all too common in our culture today, pushing our youth towards drugs, alcohol, and gangs in order to ease their pain and find acceptance. But abandonment and abuse are a global problem. The late Stephen Lungu, one of Africa's greatest modern-day evangelists, experienced abandonment and abuse as a youth himself while growing up in Africa. The book Out of the Black Shadows by Stephen Lungu with Ann Coombs is his testimony of how God changed his embittered heart and ultimately prepared him to become a great evangelist in Africa, reaching tens of thousands with the gospel. If you want to be inspired by the testimony of a life radically changed by Christ, we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. To order Out of the Black Shadows by Stephen Lungu with Ann Coombs. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Ephesians. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.